0: Welcome to Voices of the Community, which explores critical issues facing Northern California communities. We introduce you to the voices of community thought leaders and changemakers who are working on solutions that face our fellow individual community members, neighborhoods, cities, and our region. This is George Coster, your host. This episode is part of our series exploring COVID-19's impact on nonprofits and small businesses in the San Francisco Bay Area. Back in April of 2020, when we decided to create this ongoing series on COVID-19's impact, first on nonprofits and then on small businesses in the San Francisco Bay Area, we, like you, had no idea how long the pandemic would go on and what the health and economic impact would be in our community. Going into 2021, the pandemic is now killing more people, shutting down more nonprofits and small businesses, along with wiping out the livelihoods of families, neighborhoods, and communities. We will continue to shine a spotlight on the nonprofits and small businesses that make up the fabric of our community, along with the founders and staff who are struggling to deal with the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on their operations, services, and sustainability until we can all get to the other side of the pandemic. Along the way, we will also share with you all the amazing solutions that our nonprofits small businesses, foundations, and government leaders are working on to help us all get to the other side of the pandemic and come together to rebuild our communities with more economic, social, and environmental equality.
1: Two of our founders died from complications due to HIV and AIDS. I'm the remaining survivor. There are many who supported us during that time, but having navigated losing dancers, choreographers, audience members, weekly, similar to what we're seeing now. And yet the difference is so many people were unaware and didn't care. And you can tell the pain still sits with me, the trauma. And I think that we are in that now. We will be in that period of time, I would say decades of time where we will be sitting with What wasn't done, what was left unsaid, what was not attempted for the safety of people over profit.
0: This is the co-founder and executive director of dancers' group, Wayne Hazard. The Dancers Group was born in the middle of the AIDS crisis and has evolved over the decades into a service organization providing wraparound fiscal sponsorship programs and services to incubate and support artists and the dance community, as well as their historical roots of presenting unique grassroots-based dance to the San Francisco Bay Area. I'm joined remotely via Zoom by Wayne Hazard, the Executive Director of Dancers Group. Thanks for being here, Wayne. Thanks, George. It's my pleasure. On Martin Luther King Jr. Day 2021. Yes, quite a solemn day and quite a powerful day. So I'm going to segue to our first question, which is I think the audience probably doesn't know about dancers group, which is an interesting kind of service group model. So if you could give us a little background on the dancers group and some of the really unique, I think you have 18 programs.
1: Well, it's my favorite topic, obviously. Dancers Group has been around since 1982, and we were founded in San Francisco's Mission District. We really started out as a collective of choreographers, of dance makers, looking to have support, space, and camaraderie, and ways to... Be in relationship to one another. And really that hasn't changed 39 years later. I like to call us now a hybrid organization because I think it kind of clicks with people. One and two, it's kind of the duality of what we do in terms of providing direct services to dance makers, dancers, those interested in dance. And we also present dance activities. And I say that in that way, because we do do commissioning of work. But we also have large programs over the year, like Bay Area Dance Week, where pre um, the pandemic, we had 22,000 people in the spring, take free dance classes all over the Bay Area, from hip hop to hula to kapak to tap to beginning movement classes for children to adults dance for people with Parkinson's. You name it, we probably had it on our roster over the years. So the services we do really are about, you know, supporting people where they are, classes, discounts, performance information, discounts on those. And then we provide direct services to dance makers through our fiscal sponsorship program. We have over 125 dance companies and dance projects that fundraise under us. So. Each year, close to $1.5 million is raised through us that then we redistribute through expenses back to those entities, where over, generally in non-pandemic times, over 300,000 people attend those company and artists' activities, classes, and performances.
0: So this last going on 10 months with COVID-19 and so much of obviously performing arts and dance especially is a personal experience. How has the dancers group dealt with the COVID-19 and economic meltdown? And then how do you feel like it's impacted all of the dozens of dance performance groups that you incubate and work with?
1: Big question. (laughs) I'll start by saying that dancers, groups, founders, along with myself, went through the AIDS pandemic in the early 80s all the way into the 90s. And still continuing today as a worldwide pandemic, but yet really not seen that way because of, I think, broadly, and it's changed a bit, but seeing as a gay male disease Two of our founders died from complications due to HIV and AIDS. I'm the remaining survivor. There are many who supported us during that time. But having navigated losing dancers, choreographers, audience members, weekly, similar to what we're seeing now, and yet the difference is so many people were unaware and didn't care. Mm-hmm. You can tell the pain still sits with me, the trauma. And I think that we are in that now. We will be in that period of time, I would say decades of time where we will be sitting with what wasn't done, what was left unsaid, what was not attempted for the safety of people over profit. So... Specifically to your question, I think one of the first things we did as an organization, as a board, said, Are you okay? And we cried. (laughs) We talked a lot. We said to staff, Your job is there. We, like many organizations, applied for support, both private foundations and others to help us navigate this time. We are very fortunate in the Bay Area to have major foundations like the Hewlett's and Rainin's and Haas's and Flyshackers and Oshers really step forward. And then we just looked at getting information out early on. Also many organizations were creating COVID relief funds and theater Bay Area had one going first and I was approached by a donor saying, here's a large chunk of money, you know, let's get this out to dancers. And I said, well, what if we join forces with theater Bay area? What if we not created just one more fund, but just was able to get more money to one fund. And so, The funder liked that. The donor liked that. Theater Bay Area loved that. Intermusic SF joined as well. And so there's a Performing Arts Workers Relief Fund on theaterbayarea.org site. It's also on dancersgroup.org site. Close to, and maybe over now, 600,000 has been raised. Over 634 grants given to Performing Arts Workers. And that's somebody who might be front of house in a theater or music venue or a dancer or choreographer or an actor. So it's not just somebody who might be seen as, oh, well, I have to prove that I'm an artist, but anybody in our family, if you will, in terms of that. So very proud of that. We're still raising money for that. As people know, there will still be need for a long time. So I think any way that listeners would want to support, that's wonderful.
0: So besides the individual grants to everyone in the performing arts family, and Schaefer talks about that from ZSpace as well, because we had interviewed he and Rose and about the same issues. We all love arts, but we don't necessarily want to pay for them. We expect them always to be there when we want them to be there. What can folks who are listening to this interview do to help dancers group, network, and in turn, individual performing groups, dance groups, as well as individual performers themselves?
1: Well, again, (laughs) these soft questions, George. (laughs) There's so many ways I would look to respond to that. I mean, one, I think, love your body, be in your body. I really believe everybody's a dancer. Most people would go, I can't dance. Oh, no, you know, there's so much fear around moving our bodies and being in our bodies. And I think it's one of the larger issues that we face, you know, when we look at racism and homophobia and ableism and systemic, you know, issues that are holding people back. This idea that you're feminine if you dance and so on and on and on. So I think to your question I would just say, if you have an opportunity to talk to somebody about the kind of work you love, it doesn't have to be about dance. It could be about any kind of practice, engagement. Talking to elected officials is so powerful, and especially now, for them to remember. Um, One of the saddest things that happened during, you know, craziness at the Capitol is that I think there's gonna be a fear of going there and talking and being in relationship to those who are in service to the people, rather than this idea that somehow they know it all and they know how to lead. And they only know how to lead because we're supporting them as people, as individuals in society. So I think even more than money, it really is about that collective voice and having a voice. And, you know, obviously, if people have resources to donate to any kind of cause, I think it helps. It sends a message that we believe as a society that we are all better when we take care of each other.
0: Thank you. Great way to put it. Moving on to one of my favorite questions. You've been in the performing arts ecosystem for a while and leading the charge at dancers group. What would you say have been some of your favorite moments of working at dancers group and its impact on the community? Sure.
1: I could talk about again, Bay Area Dance Week, which for over 22 years, we worked with the community to have Four to six hundred free events all over the Bay Area for people to test out things. I often would be in a store or a bank and somehow strike a conversation and people will ask me what I do. And I say, Well, I run a nonprofit that supports dancers and choreographers. Oh my God, that's such an amazing job. And they go, Oh, I I did this great free class at City College during Bay Area Dance Week. And I'm like, Well, that's us. We help support that. And they're like, Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And So one of the things, for me, it's not important people know that it's dancers group, but that we have an impact in terms of a vibration, if you will, in terms of support for things to happen around dance. I could talk about our monthly Rotunda Dance Series we did at City Hall, a partnership with World Arts West that does the San Francisco Ethnic Dance Festival. And those were free new time performances with amazing artists. And you would see tourists and city workers and supervisors be blown away by salsa dancers and folklorical dancers and flamenco and classical Indian dance, I mean, it just was an amazing thing to do. And yet I think the most satisfying part of my job and what I love the most and talk about the most is the conversations with people, the artists. Those wanting to start a dance company coming here, maybe freshly out of some program in another part of the country, and really wanting to figure out how to have a life in dance here. And that's just amazing. And that still happens now. We still have those conversations, and you would think, well, you know, how can you talk about creating something now? And that's the beauty of creation, no matter what. It is always happening.
0: So true. It's the old classic, right? Don't let a good crisis go to waste. Speaking of which, with the crises over these many months, what are some of the positive things that you see coming out of the crisis to support more performing arts and engagement with youth and families? One of the ideas that we were talking about was your concept of a building that could house all of the dance groups, for example, that dancers group physically sponsors. And with so much vacant office space, perhaps there's an opportunity.
1: Yeah, I think we're coming into a period where there's going to be a variety of civic and private and nonprofit conversations about how we can activate space. We certainly talked about there's more space open of tech companies, some deciding to move to other parts of the country. And yet, so many people here, artists in particular, still want to have this as their home, have this as a place where they can raise a family and be an artist. My hope is we can see a correction both in the cost of living here and not allow empty storefronts and or buildings just to sit fallow. They could be used for people who are unsheltered. They could be used for artist activation space in a variety of ways. One of the things that I'm encouraging myself to think about and others is let's not separate administrative space from creative space. What if we say they are the same thing, they're just doing different things at different times? So if we put ourselves in relationship with the creative activity more, and that could be audience, that could be people walking along the street, seeing something in a storefront, walking through some larger open space, whether it's outside or covered and see people working, being in creative process. I think that's exciting. It's like, you know, walking by and seeing the pizza guy and, you know, doing the amazing dough thing. And it's just like, Oh my God, I just, I want that pizza now. You know, it's like, okay, let's have people moving or singing and people go, Oh, who is that? I mean, that's one of the pleasures I've had over the years, In working with artists inside specific work, seeing people just get turned on by the 10 minutes or five minutes even, and then they become donors. They want to see the artists do other things. So I think there's so much opportunity coming into this next period that if we take away some of these barriers of, well, it has to cost this much, or we have to do it this way, I think we can find some really dynamic ways to be in relationship to one another.
0: Thank you. I feel like there's a a wonderful opportunity for people to come to the realization that if they want arts and culture to be in their community, they need to step up and really support it and, and participate in it. I feel like it's a great opportunity to completely reinvent how we view arts and culture along with small business and the use of space. Now we just need that $200 million that you were talking about, Wayne.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That is my dream, you know, big bank account with $200 million so we can always keep things up to date and commission artists and have a 30-story building. We've been talking with Intersection for the Arts and Theatre Bay Area about a multidisciplinary space. So you see all kinds of activation going on and all kinds of ways to get excited about what's going on.
0: Well, I want to thank you so much, Wayne, for sharing all of the wonderful work of Dancers Group, and we're going to make sure that listeners and viewers have your contact information, website, social media, so that way they can follow Dancers Group productions. Get engaged and support your mission. Maybe subscribe to the magazine. Sounds like another great way to stay on top of, and I imagine you're still publishing the magazine, even if it's just virtual.
1: Yeah, virtual magazine. Actually, our winter issue comes out on January, probably the 20th. first the day after the inauguration and you can access that free online at dancersgroup.org it's in a flipping book a magazine style as well as individual articles and past articles so again there's amazing writing coming from artists talking about how they're navigating this time what they're still thinking about as artists but also in terms of their responsibility to be in relationship to the nature of dealing with so much loss and so much change.
0: So much change. There you go. Well, Wayne, please stay safe out there and healthy given we're working our way through this very strange new normal. We are certainly going forward. Yes. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, George. That's it for this episode of Voices of the Community. You've been listening to the voice of Wayne Hazard, the co-founder and executive director of Dancers Group. To find out more about Dancers Group and to subscribe to In Dance Publication, as well as become a member and support one of the artist or dance companies, go to dancersgroup.org. And while you're on the website, please consider making a donation to the COVID-19 Performing Arts Worker Relief Fund. Wayne mentioned his work with Theater Bay Area and the COVID-19 Performing Arts Workers Relief Fund. Please listen to episode 12 in our interview with Rose Ozer and Schaefer Mazzo from ZSpace to find out more about the Performing Arts Worker Relief Fund. Wayne also spoke about his work with Intersection for the Arts to develop a multidisciplinary space for arts organizations in San Francisco. Please listen to our interview with Allison Snopek, and Randy Rawlinson from Intersection for the Arts in Episode 35, where we provide more details on the economics of arts and culture. We hope that you enjoyed the insights, points of view, and personal stories from the voices of change makers and their nonprofits and small businesses featured in the series. To find out more and get engaged with the nonprofits, small businesses, and staff members featured in the series, please go to my website georgecoster.com, and click on Voices of the Community to find links to the extended versions of these interviews and to listen to the entire series. After listening to these stories, we hope that you will consider making a donation and volunteering to provide a hand up to your fellow community members. I want to thank my associate producer, Eric Estrada, and Casey Nance at Citron Studios, along with the wonderful crew at the San Francisco Public Press and KSFP. Voices of the Community is a member of Intersection for the Arts, which allows us to offer you a tax deduction for your contributions. Please go to georgecoster.com and click on the Donate link to make a donation to help us provide future shows just like this one. While you're on our website, you can enjoy our archived past shows, which feature community voices working on solutions to critical issues facing Northern California communities and you can sign up for our newsletter to find out more about future shows as well as shows and events from the organizations that are included in our episodes take us along on your next covid walk by subscribing to voices of the community on apple podcast spotify and google podcast or wherever you get your podcast you can follow us on twitter at george coster and we'd love to hear from you with feedback and show ideas. So send us an email to george at georgecoster.com. I'm George Coster in San Francisco, and thank you for listening.